0: Where we all
1: bring something to the table. Pull up a chair at punchboardmedia.com.
0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Gumbo Live. Here's your host, BJ from Board Game Gumbo.
2: Hey, board gamers, BJ from Board Game Gumbo here back with another episode of Gumbo Live. It's episode number 117, Gumbo Live, the number one Facebook Live talk show dedicated to board gaming. Our special guest tonight, it's Dale Yu of the Opinionated Gamers, or is it Donald X Baccarino? We're gonna find out when he comes on the show. Board Game Gumbo, a proud member of Punchboard Media. Check out some of our other fine members, like Gaming Rules, Paul Grogan, famous for his how to play videos, game development, rule books, and live streams. Hey, if you wanna learn a game, check out Paul's YouTube channel, Gaming Rules. Punchboard Media, where we all bring something to the table. Hit us up on social media, on twitter or on facebook at boardgamegumbo and we'll be looking for your questions in the chat crew but enough blather let's get right to our special guest dale U from the opinionated gamers come on in man hey there hey what hey what's going on welcome to boardgamegumbo first time on the show there may be some people who haven't heard of you although i've been reading your reviews for years give us the elevator pitch who is dale U? why what's what's with the opinionated gamers
3: All right. Well, um, start with the blog. So uh, I'm the founder of the opinionated gamers. We are one of the uh, first and longest running English written review sites around. Uh, We've been writing reviews since 2011 on that site, probably over 1,200 to 1,300 total reviews. Uh, Our shtick, as it were, is we try to have uh, one, no more than one review a day so that unlike some of the other, uh, you know, mega monolithic sites you might visit every day. Um, and on our site, you hopefully have one thing to come look at, you know, read, come back, you know, the next day we have something new.
2: So much consistency. So every day, just about, I wake up in the morning and somebody's posted a 3 a.m. review of a new game. I, I discovered the opinion of the gamers, but maybe like a lot of people. I'm from Louisiana and looking for people that were from Louisiana, I found, of course, greg schlosser from the west bank gamers he had tons of uh, old uh, stuff on bgg he had counter magazine and he also did some writing for opinion of gamers right
3: yeah uh, the opinion of gamers is really sort of an amalgamation of a whole bunch of old uh sites that have come together so we have you know greg and a lot of writers from counter magazine which was one of the last actual you know written and mailed to you print magazines about games um, and then Board Game News, which was run by Rick Thornquist and then taken over by Eric Martin right at the end. Um, a lot of the writers from there who were looking for a home, we picked up. Um, and then people that you know, we've met in our travels that are interested in games, want to write about it. Um, you know, We've invited them to join. We're a pretty easygoing group. We've got a super active email group, which I think uh, that's half the reason people like to be in our group, because we chat all the time and you know, rag on each other and do things like that.
2: One of the coolest things I like about opinionated gamers, and I even try to do that a little bit, you know, as, as we said in law school, you research, 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 or you plagiarize, 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 and you call it research, research, research. That was what one of my professors told me. Uh, you know, don't, don't reinvent the wheel. And one of the things I love about the opinionated gamers is at the end of the, uh, of the review, and then you also have these like uh, amalgamated reviews, but there's always this other thoughts. And it's a nice little paragraph or three, depending on the writer, but usually <laughs> it's a nice little tight paragraph yeah. about what they think. So you might actually contribute to something Chris Ray did. Crash. And then there's a little, I like it, I love it, you know, those things. That Who came up with that? Because to me, that is a beautiful system because you can see the different flavorings. If, if the review is a little harsh, well, I can see why Dale thinks it's good. Who came up with that?
3: Um, I did in a way, but, you know, me and my wife's a lawyer. She's told me the same thing about, you know, the whole plagiarized business. And to be honest with you, we've uh, sort of borrowed it from Spielbox magazine over in Germany because that's what is. they do. Um, and, you know, we read that. And, you know, we just think it's a great idea for exactly what you said. Two reasons, really. One is if someone has, you know, just a little opinion or they want to get something in, it's easy to do. It's easy to talk someone into, hey, you can just come write a couple sentences. Right. Um, the other reason why we like to have it is, you know, we don't use a number rating system. We have this sort of our own, um, four step system. I love it. I like it neutral and not for me, not for me. Um, and not for me means a lot of things, right? I mean, it, it's not exactly, but I don't like social deduction. Not for right. right. It's not, yeah. It's not like the Tom Basile. I'm going to set this on fire. Rating <laughs> throw it instance. off the roof. Bro. Right. <laughs> But, you know, for a lot of people, they want to explain that because, you know, not for me, is it meant to be pejorative? Sometimes it's still, you know, like you said, it's just not a game that I want to play. But I can see why other people would like it.
2: Almost 10 years now. So next year will be 10 years, 2011-ish, right? Mm -hmm. Are written reviews still relevant in this age of of video? I write written reviews,
3: so I have an answer in mind. I hope we share a break of that. (laughs) Um, I think so. I mean, that's why we're still doing them. Um, you know, it has, uh, I thought it would, it, it had died down, but to be honest with you, our readership, honestly, it's still real good, you it's know, good. and, um, you yeah, know, we're pretty happy with that. Um, you know, we, or I have not really chosen to monetize it though. I mean, the whole thing is, you know, we don't, we don't have any ads. We don't take any support You know, we just write cause we like it. Right. Cause you like um, it. And we have enough people out there, you know, reading it still. We just love doing it. There's Jesse
2: Fernandez checking in. What's up, Jesse? Good to see you beat Thomas Grieve, yep. first person to comment in there. And, of course, the name father is going to come back in and help us run the game later in the show, and you got to meet him in the green room. Awesome. Mm-hmm. See Steve again. Yeah, you give hope to people like me and Eric Buscemi that, that from the Cardboard Hard that people are still reading it. And when you tell me privately what those numbers are, that gives me you know that hope that people are still reading the written word. I was telling you before the show – that I typically, when I do, I I always go to written reviews first. When I go to BGG and I see the reviews, I click on text first every time. I might go to a couple of video reviews, but I'm going to watch the first part, skip all the boring mechanics part. Look, Jay's shaking his head. Skip all the boring mechanic parts and then come back in, and I want the sense. How do you feel about those mechanical reviews that say, it's a seven point two for this and an eight point three for this, so the amalgamation is a nine point one. You know, I'm not. I, by the way, I'm not dogging them. Just.
3: Yeah, I mean, everyone's got their own style. You know, I mean, some people laugh at me. I mean, my own opinion of gamers. You know, they say that I'm a, you know, my review style is Soviet block con- concrete <laughs> construction. You know, because over the years I've developed a, a fairly not rigid. I mean, you know, I just got I get in a habit, and you know, personally, I like. And it's easy in the written review because even easier than video. If you want to read the mechanics, you just skip that paragraph, and you can go down to the bottom. You know, my thoughts on the game. You, you know what I think about it. But for the people that don't, I've always wanted to get like I don't feel like I need to regurgitate every rule, but I want to give the reader enough idea. Hey, how do I play the game? You know, what happens and what sort of decisions go on. You know, how does how does the game round work? Because for some people, that's how they determine do I want to play this game or not. You know, He had a post
2: where he talked about written reviews. I don't know if you uh, ever read that one. I actually have it bookmarked because I go back to it every time I start to stray and forget what I'm trying to do or if I'm per- grabbing a particularly <laughs> tough one. And he talks about how Drake's Flames would always give you what's the game about from an emotional standpoint because that's really what Bruno – and he said all gamers care about. And I know that's not quite true. A lot of people care about the mechanics. But I but I think that's the same way. and. In some of the things you do, you, you, ha- you carry over different discussions like, hey, remember I talked about this or I've talked about that. And I think that humanizes the review and it rewards people who continue to follow the website. Do you, do you consciously try to do that, have a conversation with the, blogger, the person reading the blog as if they have been following you forever?
3: I mean, yeah, a a little bit, yeah. I mean, more consciously now than in the past, but certainly, I mean, you know, we've, you know, I I feel have a very stable audience. I mean, you know, certain number of readers that we, you know, subscribe, read every day. And, uh, you know, I mean, they comment a lot in the comments or send us emails off list. And it's good to know that there are people that kind of, you know, read most everything that we write. And it's good to, you know, that you can have this sort of one-sided dialogue with them, you know.
2: We've got our very first Buggles reference on the Gumbo. Chris Ray bringing up the Buggles video may have killed the radio star, but the written word is alive and well. Do you, do you know that reference video killed the radio star? I do. The first, very first uh, video, video on MTV. Very first video on MTV. The keyboardist, Jeff Downs, later keyboardist for Asia. So, uh, and of course, I was unaware of that. Oh, yeah, they got yeah. their big break in 1981 from uh, from MTV also whenever they mention MTV in one of their songs so yeah uh, so thank you chris for for that memory lane trip there with video killed the radio star so i'm glad we're on the same page there's still a place for written reviews people are still reading them video is is you know everywhere it's ubiquitous but i think people still want to enjoy a conversation i think we have to get away from dry reviews though and have that conversation and i, I think I think that's what people enjoy. I think that's the secret to Tom Basson shut up and sit down also mm-hmm. because in a video format they're having a written fireside chat with you and if you watch enough of them they you know you, you recognize some of the tropes or some of the things you can almost predict what they're going to say about a game just based on your experience with them, you know? Yep.
3: Do you do you do, do you read? I mean, do you watch any video review? Honestly, not really. Um, I just find that I don't, uh, I like reading and writing the written review. They don't take as long. Um, You know, it's very hard sometimes to, you know, how do I figure which is the three minutes of a 15 minute video review I want to watch? I just don't know that. That's true. Um,
2: Chris Train checking in, Asking for Troubles, big news, Dale, recently, if, you, if you've if you ever played Asking for Troubles, we've been begging for an expansion, Chris has had an expansion, ready to go for years, and, and Chris actually showed off some of the PPC versions nice. today, so super excited, can't wait to see that, Chris, looking for, there's a lot of things in there, so you're going to have to tell me, Chris, offline. Uh, how, how some of this is going to work, but because there's a lot of stuff that he's putting into the game. But asking for trouble, one of, one of my favorite um, worker placement gateway style caves where you can teach somebody the mechanic and still there's a lot of meat in there. I'm not Chris says it plays to seven and I played it to seven. Chris, I really enjoyed uh, backed off a little bit like five or six or four, but it plays seven very well. So that is that, uh, and, and that's right, it's making the birthday girl Verla very happy with more troubles. Have you ever played asking for troubles? No, no I haven't. Huh? Okay. Oh, that is Chris Strain's. All right. So, what do you think makes a good written review, Dale? What What do you think if when you're reading a written review, what are you looking for in it?
3: I mean, like with all reviews, it's really just I want to know what makes the game work for you. You know, what did you enjoy about it? What didn't you enjoy about it? Um, I'm honestly with a lot of reviewers, less concerned with did you actually like it or not, though? Because, you know, I mean, everyone likes different games and I mean, heck, there are 2,000 new games a year, it feels like that, you know. But if it is someone I know, though, whose you know, reviews I'm familiar with, then, you know, I would put more credence in, you know, whether they like it or not. But otherwise, I'm just trying to get a feel for how the game works and what parts people liked or didn't like about it, and then apply that to sort of my own internal rating system to figure out, hey, do I want to try this or not?
2: I like that. So you're famously known as the gaming doctor. I love that. Whenever you up <laughs> you know, your little tagline at the end of the gaming doctor. But I did have a question. One I did not come up with is, how much is practicing medicine just like the game of operation? Is it, is it pretty close?
3: Yeah, I mean, you know, pretty much. You know, you just, you know, you got to practice. You screw up. The guy's nose turns red. And then you got to figure out how to fix it. You it's know, it's like it, right? Right. Just like real life.
2: Operation so thematic—it's—it's it's the perfect game to if you want to simulate. In fact, we could probably, in this age of coronavirus, we could probably get rid of the cadavers,
3: and just use Operation. Right? Think of the money we would save too. Well, you know, everything's done over Zoom now, so it wouldn't surprise me if they can take an appendix out over Zoom. Your
2: your buddy Chris Ray gave me some some of these questions, Chris. I,
3: as snarky as
2: i am i'm gonna have trouble reading these online but they're they're really good questions and i'm gonna see if i can sneak some of them in there bj from Morgan on gum up got my guest tell you from the opinionated gators but not just opinionated gamers also from bgg and that's the story i don't know how did you get hooked up with the bgg crew
3: um i mean you know i've been in gaming since i don't know 97 98 and i mean i've just known aldi and dirk forever to be honest
2: with you i'm now practice expansion for operation (laughs) um
3: i mean not in sort of a bragging sense but i mean the you know like my board game geek user number i think is 800 or 500 i mean i was one of the first guys on the site and just have kind of always been around um I,
2: i joined the site many years ago i don't i don't remember exactly when in the like the five six seven eight something like that and and I, it was just on a Google search and hated it. I was like, Oh my God, this site is terrible. And I, I don't even remember. I can't even log into that, that account. I don't remember the password or anything or even what email I was oh, We using. could reset it for you. That's no problem. Probably. So Yeah. I remember just going, God, this is terrible. And then I went back to it years later. And now, now of course I'm so used to it. I, 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 I mean, I, I love it. I love the references. I, I feel comfortable in it, but I was totally intimidated by years ago. So I always tell people, look, it may, it may not look splashy like some of the other sites, but there is no better site. I, I think no better community. The, some of the people that you're going to see in the chat crew here, those people came from BGG. Steve O'Rourke, the name father, I met him through the Dukes of Dice uh, forum on uh, BGG. And there's so many of these forums that I'm sure that it's, the site's so big now that Aldi doesn't even know some of the connections that people are making. You know, areas of the site, he doesn't even really know how much it grows. So... Thank you, and thank all of the BGG team that puts together a fantastic site and a great convention. By the way, it um, don't tell Tom, but the BGG Con has become my favorite convention. Even though I love Dice Tower Con, I love it to death. But yeah. BGG Con is becoming my favorite because it's right there in Dallas. So coronavirus is over. Let's say sometime in the future, what's the first con? The only if it was only one that you could go to, what's that con, Dale? Which which one are you gonna? Like like eating bluebell ice cream as soon as you can when you get to Louisiana. What what's that con you're going to want to go to?
3: I think honestly, it's probably still spiel in essence. I mean, I still get a kid in a candy store kind of feel about it. Um, I mean, honestly, this year will be oof, only the second year since 2000 I haven't gone. Wow. Um, but man, you know, I mean, you still you show up there and you just walk in that building and it's like. Holy cow, there are like 3,000 new games here and all my old friends and, you know, oh, and those spiral fried potatoes. I mean, there's all sorts of stuff, but I all these potatoes. experiences, yeah, I, I do have an unhealthy addiction to them. I
2: I, look, I, I'm a, as you can tell, I'm a fanboy. I've, I've read your travelogues, man. I really yeah. enjoy. You know, that actually might be my favorite thing besides video reviews is the travelogues when people describe going to a convention or doing things like that. I cannot tell you how much hate mail we get for that.
3: Are you? I'm telling. That is, the, that is the one thing people are passionate either for or against. Like, what are you talking about? This? I want to read about games. I'm like, this is part of the experience, as far as I'm concerned. I
2: absolutely love it. I shamelessly stole it, and I do a similar type of travelogue at almost every convention I go to. I, I mix in just like y'all do. I mix in some of the games I play, but I also try to give people who can't make the con. This is not a "Hey, look what I did" type of thing. It's more like, "Hey." You know, come into this community. You're a part of it, too, even if you can't be there. You know, yep. this, is, this is some of the stuff that's going on. Hey, we got some pretty good comments on the on the video and written rooms, reviews. Chris Strain says, in written or video reviews, I always forward to the final thought. <laughs> and my buddy Brandon here from the Punchboard Media says, I, and also from Opinionated Gamers, I've often wondered if we should just write the final thoughts at the beginning. I don't know about that, Brandon. What do you think, Dale?
3: I mean, maybe, you know, or, you know. For a while, we were running contests where we, you know, put the contest entry stuff in the middle of the mechanics, so that you know you'd have to read the whole darn thing to figure out when, to, or you know, how to apply for our giveaways. We've uh, moved away from that since. But it, you know, it's a written review; you just scroll to the
2: end. Hey, I've been for the first time ever. I've been reading medical, whatever they call them, medical journal reviews mm-hmm. and things because of the coronavirus and. Steve has a, has a good point. Brandon's thoughts on this are right on, in publishing research, there's typically an abstract that summarizes the whole. And he's right. I mean, I keep seeing these journals, and, and the very first paragraph is this abstract which kind of tells you what the whole thing is going to be about. Now, I'm pretty guilty, about a lot of times that's all a read because that's really all I can understand anyway. I need, I need the dummies guide to whatever they're talking about in this virus. But what do you think of that? Could, could, should reviewers try that, just a
3: little abstract at the top? I mean, I guess so. I mean, you know, the only way we're measured is on page hits. And I mean, you know, frankly, if you read the first sentence, I still get the same page hit.
2: That is true. (laughs) That is true. (laughs) BJ from Morgan, I've got my guest here, Dale Yu from the Opinionated Gamers and from BGG. Dale, I first found out about you from your work with uh, Dominion. You you had done the development work and it looks like a lot of the, (laughs) most of the cards or a lot of the cards and all that, but there's a lot of deck building fans on the chat crew that come every week. And we, we debate about which is the second best deck builder after baseball has 2045. That's usually what we're, we're all fighting about. What about you? What's your, what's your top non dominion, um, deck builders? What, 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 do you like out there? Hmm. Do you have um, one or is, is dominion the, the end all be all second place to baseball highlights 2045?
3: I mean, yeah, that's a fair statement. Uh, no, um, I have a soft spot for Tanto Kore, even though it's essentially still Dominion, you know, with sort of naughty anime art. But yeah. that was the first sort of, you know, knockoff that came along. Jay um, says Shards of Infinity? Infinity? That one's not bad. Okay. Um, you know, to be honest with you, we, we haven't played too, uh, <laughs> I haven't played too many of them. I honestly got a little burnt out, you know, in the testing of Dominion. I probably played, I don't know, three to four thousand games. Wow, that many. Um, and it, it it burns you out a, a little bit um you know before i i don't know if you remember when isotropic used to be the way you could play online mm-hmm. um i never did that one it was like a text only version um of dominion games were lightning fast on there um and it you know it, it wasn't really made for a commercial you know since you couldn't have a subscription i mean i think they tried to do that for a while but, man, you could get a game of Dominion on there in, like, three or four minutes. And so when we were testing stuff, we would throw up new cards and just blaze through them. But, man, you know, you play a lot. text space only like the old Infocom games, like Zork and things? I mean, sort of, yeah. I mean, you know, you just had a you know, here's your hand, and here are the seven cards in your hand. And, you know, here's what's left in the tableau to buy. It was, it was interesting, but that's how we did a lot of our initial testing. That and, uh, you know, this weird text-only... Uh, Program that was compiled in Pascal by Donald himself, which was pretty awesome. And y'all
2: you know, would use that for testing, also.
3: Yeah. I mean, you know, state of the art technology in two thousand and eight. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Boy,
2: in in the last ten years, how much has online gaming changed? I, I, you're not you're not a big partaker of online gaming, right?
3: Um, not anymore. I used to be. Um, you know, back when Brett Schuvelt had just come online. Yeah. You know, I mean, I was the level 15 or 16 user, you know, had all the games played all the time. I had trouble with
2: that site. But I, I mean, I, you know, I, I think you know why. I mean, it was a pretty tough interface. It
3: to wasn't user friendly at all. Oh. And, you know, the, the fact that they tried to l- overlay this whole RPG like system on it with experience points and you right. couldn't get into certain games until you had enough points. Super frustrating <laughs> for a newbie to come along, you know, because you want to come and you want to play, you know, I don't know, Emerald or pick your game right but you can't because you have to have a thousand experience points to do that and it was kind of frustrating
2: i think i think that we used brecht spiel because that was the only i don't remember which game it was but it was one of the german games maybe carcassonne or something else and it was the only place you could play it yeah originally and so we had to start up an account but boy, i i remember just fighting through it and then saying okay well you know what? we're just gonna play something else and then we just war game arena we're like okay now this you know that and yukata that are the ways to play online game and so we yep. have gotten hooked on those but but the evolution to tabletopia and tts have you have you experienced any of that any of those mm-hmm. yeah
3: yep um you know played a, a lot on tabletopia this year uh one of the games that i'm uh developing right now we are testing on um that and tabletop simulator does it take the place of your regular game night only because of coronavirus. Right. Um, but no, normally, it, I mean, you know, it's for the most part, it, it is an okay substitute. Certainly also, you know, because we're chatting on Discord or Zoom or Google Meet in the background. So it's like being in the same room. Um, but, you know, it, it, you don't get the same feel. I mean, you know, I think we're all board gamers in part because we like to be with other people. We like to hold the cards in our hand and OCD like arrange them in the way that you know and you know people are making little statues of the meeples because that's what you know the tactile part of board gaming is very important to me uh, because if we weren't we would all be video gamers.
2: You know I was sitting playing um, for the first time since Friday March 15th I played with my scout dad's group just four people all with masks on all at opposite corners of a table mm-hmm. we are playing the, uh, the new Azul expansions with the little overlay board. They had not mm-hmm. tried it. I've been having it for months, but we, we couldn't play it. And we're trying it. And it reminded me right away the clickety clack of the tiles, the sidelong glances at, at the two boards left and right. You know, yeah. at certain I am not a mean gamer in Azul because I'm just not good enough to even get to that stage, you know, even though I've played it you know a million times, just terrible at it. But every once in a while when nothing else is going on, I'm taking a peek at the at the board to my left. Yeah. Oh, you can't put red. Okay. You know, and you miss all that with online gaming. But but my theory is that online gaming doesn't replace board gaming, but neither does game group gaming at a game store or at your house replace online. They are actually have become different. Whereas they started as, oh, if you can't get together with your friends, here's something you can do that's just like board gaming. It's even got a hand on it. You can move things. You can flip the table. You can spin it around. Look at these cool graphics. And then I discovered through our, game, uh, game, our gateway and filler games group that Steve uh, runs, uh, the name father runs, I discovered that it's a separate experience. I enjoy the experience of hanging out with Jay and Steve and a bunch of other people on Friday nights playing gateway games. With people from all over the country, people I would Dale I wouldn't be able to play uh, games with these people on a normal basis, except maybe once or twice a year at a convention. So I, it doesn't replace my regular game group, you know, my Wednesday night uh, gumbo game nights or my Scout Dad nights once a month. It's a different experience, and, and I'm hoping that that the people that aren't doing online gaming <clears throat> because they say, "Oh, I've got to have that experience with cardboard," I think that they're missing out on a different experience of gaming.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think that when this is all over, I'm going to end up with both a, a physical game group as well as this an online group. Um Part of it is, you know, I mean, like, I game with my brother every Sunday night now, and he's in L.A., so, you know, it's 2,200 miles away. This is really the only way we ever get to play. Oh, there's Luke, so... All right, so I should make a shout out. So the (laughs) other place that we play games is PlayingCards.io, which is, you know, like a total eight-bit site. It is, you know, graphic, but just barely. Um, But for uh, card games, it is actually the bomb, especially for playtesting. You can modify Mm -hmm. things on the fly. Um, It has That's actually been, I think, you know, because one of the, so the game I'm working on, which I, well, can't say the name of, but Luke uh, had been the designer of it. Um, oh. We have poi tested it both on uh, Tabletop Simulator and PlayingCards.io, and I actually kind of like it better on the on the kind of ghetto playing card site as opposed to the true physics of Tabletop Simulator. Interesting. You know, like, I don't really know if I need to see how the cards fall and bounce off the table. I just want to play a card game. You mentioned
2: uh, your brother. Is that Brian, right? Yep. And so you wouldn't normally get to play with him because he's on opposite
3: sides. I, yeah, and he's, he, he's too famous and successful to hang out with me normally anyways.
2: Well, that brings up a question that Chris wanted to know. What is your least favorite Brian Yu game of all time? Would it be Ghost Fight and Treasure Hunters, a favorite of some of the members of the, of the crew?
3: It might be. Uh, for all the times that I've played it, I've only beaten that damn game once in my life.
2: You know, I've never tried it, and Dustin is a huge fan. His kids love Ghost Fight and Treasure Hunters. I gotta play this game, man. It looks pretty cool. I need to try yeah. it out. But yeah, so I, I agree with you. I don't think it's going to. Um, I don't want the game group to go away after all this goes. I I enjoy and look forward to my Friday nights with them. Steve Steve raised a good point. Although it's not tabletop board gaming, one online thing that has been good is RPGs online. Works very well for theater of the mind stuff. I have heard a lot of people have very successful um rpg game nights online i, th- I think mm-hmm. that's been a blessing to them for sure <laughs> Since the game is fantastic and so is the expansion well we chris we're going to talk about brian uh you all night so bj from working gum off guess i've got my guest here dale you from the opinionated gamers and also from bgg and we're talking some of the spicy hot games one of those games that i haven't played that dale has played is a game I'm not going to try to pronounce it. State this for me.
3: Yeah. So this is Hollertal, um, which is the name I think of a a, a town or a city in Germany, and uh, you know it, it's uh, it's going to come out from Lookout, I believe, in October. I mean, I think it was slated to be the the huge Essen release uh, for the year, uh, but it's a Rosenberg game. So uh, of recent uh, his recent history, so it's you know I think has the same. Kind of feel as a little bit of Agricola, a little bit of Odin. Um, you know, it's just one of these games that has a whole bunch of cards that interact with each other, uh, multiple ways to score points. Um, but it's a it, it's a really more of the farming economic type. Yeah, of- okay. yeah, yeah. This, this is another farming game. You have a board with fields where you plant, um, you know, crops and make things. And then this is uh, this picture here is one of the action. So it's also a worker placement game. It has a A pretty nice uh, worker placement thing, where every round you get a set number of workers, Um, and then obviously uh, you know it's the usual bit about trying to how many workers do you need to take the actions you want, and sometimes you'll take a crumier action because it costs less as far as the people you know the people cost is. Hey, Brandon. That is. Uh, this is not the Draft Mechanic
2: podcast. That's bit, <laughs> I don't. I don't know those kind of hops, so I'm going to trust you. Brandon says it's also a variety of hops. So, and by the way, I borrowed these pictures from your feed. So, thank yeah. you for. Um, you know, I want to give. Make sure I give credit to you. Yeah. So, I'm not yeah. sure where you got the pictures, but I'm um, assuming that you know these are some of the publishers. Uh,
3: these are pictures. I think that I saw. I just cut and pasted out of the. I I dredged them out of the PDF little book. Um, you know, so at the top, you can see that's your, the main player board. Um, the little house there, um, it kind of moves to the right as you uh, move on. And there are those five uh, little buildings in the middle where the number three is. Oh, sure. Okay. say, that's You good. know, hey, in number three, you do this. Anyways, those buildings all move off to the right. You pay to move them to the right. And as they all move forward, the little farmhouse kind of travels behind it. Ah, And and as it travels to the right, you get more workers per round, and then eventually you get more victory points. So the whole idea of the game is to get enough resources to move those buildings forward, the little buildings, which then move the big building forward to get you stuff.
2: Jay talked about the art. Are we talking about Uwe's favorite artist? Is it, is it uh, typical artwork here? Or-
3: uh, I'm almost positive that it's Clemens. I mean, man, it looks like Clemens art. I mean, sure yeah, but he's, he's pretty much the in-house guy for... Um, for lookout. For lookout. So, oh, and he's a good buddy. We actually, we uh, Clemens and I and Hanno from Lookout work together. We uh, actually uh, co-designed a game that uh, lost the freaking Kennerspiel to my brother mm. or Geister Geister. Um,
2: it's tough. That is tough. Yeah. See, he says uh, Steve says it's um, Clemens Franz and also Lucas Segmon. Hope I'm saying that right.
3: I don't know, Lucas, though. But, yeah, I mean, most of the certainly the cover art is Clemens. Yeah, and then, you know, these are plenty of action cards. There are four different decks. um, And, you know, the the game itself is meant to be modular. I mean, in the print and play that I have, which was a beast to print out, you only get one of each of the decks. um, But I think in the full release, there will be... At least four decks, uh, four varieties of two of the types of decks, so that you can mix and match them and have you know a nearly infinite number of combinations to play. Kind of like Agricola, you know, where they have all those different occupation decks, and then
2: I- I'm thinking in my head, and that's why I was staring off into space. I'm thinking in my head if somebody had asked me to PnP Agricola or Caverna. Wow, that would have been a, a nightmare.
3: That that would be a big job. Oh, I did that too for Lookout, but that is not the worst. The worst one was freaking Suburbia because Ted kept making these hexes that I had to print out, and there's no way that you can use a paper cutter to cut hexes. You gotta, you cut- gotta get there with scissors and cut them all out by hand. Oh, wow, that's a lot of cutting. Mm, suburbia. All right, so uh,
2: so uh, just some some thoughts on on. Hallertau Hallertau yeah
3: I mean you know if you like Agricola Feast of Odin you'll probably like this one it plays quicker though 60 to 90 minutes interesting and that is Hallertau coming out from
2: Lookout Games is that going to be an Essen Spiel release that's or? what
3: I'm told yeah
2: so take a look at that I know we have some uh I know we have some <laughs> that's hops on the card <laughs> it's not the Trafficantic Podcast <laughs> I'm going to lose control of the show if we start talking about beer all right <laughs> DJ from Morgan Gumball, I've got my guest here, Dale Yu from the Opinionated Gamers and from BGG. We're talking some of the spicy odd games that we played. I got to play a game at UK Games Expo uh, all the way in London, although I was, I was here in my shorts in uh, Lafayette, Louisiana, getting ready for a hurricane, playing uh, okay. uh, online as we do now. And that was Venice from Brain Crack Games. Are you familiar with that line that Brain Crack has?
3: Uh, uh, you know, Brad, we haven't played any of them yet. Okay. Um, coronavirus.
2: But sure sure. there was Raguso that came out last year and then venice came out um with a different designer although the solo is by david Turchi again and then they just announced a new one that's coming out a florence uh which looks okay. pretty cool uh, again another designer uh the one who did pacific rails if i remember right sure. venice is a pickup and deliver game but dale's got a twist are you a pickup and deliver game fan mm-hmm. oh good okay so it's i'm i'm I didn't think I was a pickup and deliver game and yet I keep playing these pickup and deliver games and enjoying them. So maybe I'm, maybe I like it more than I thought, but it's a pickup and deliver game with a twist. Hey, you've got the iconic canal canals flowing through Venice. Uh, You've got all the different little city buildings. Three of them are communal. They're going to be there in every game. Uh, The doges palace and a couple other ones, but the rest of them are going to have, um, you know, you're going to put them out randomly and on those tiles, they're going to have different little spots. Oh, you can't really quite see it from there. But they're going to have actions on those tiles. And if you played Raguso, Ragusa has it where the earlier you get to an action, other people will go to it, and you're going to get a free benefit. I love games that do those free benefit things. My favorite, I remember my mind was blown when we were playing Scythe the very first time, and I upgraded, I can't remember what it's called, I think it's in list. You know, one of your spots on your board, and then somebody else did something, and you got a gold. And I'm like, oh, my God, I got a free call. All of a sudden, you become invested in everyone else's terms, right? Yep. So uh, Ragusa had that. Well, Venice doesn't quite do that. But again, it's got this clever bonus action thing. On those buildings, if you go there and put your assistant on it, every time you go to pick up and deliver somewhere else, Dale, not that building, every time you just pass by it on the canal, your your assistant is working there and he says, hey – hey, let me me give you this, this free action. And then when other people come to that building, they bump your assistant to the next level. So now you get that action and the one behind it. Every time you and your your gondolas, yeah, your gondolas, every time your gondolier goes through the canals and passes by, you can imagine at the very start of the game, you're taking like one or two little actions, little tiny baby turns, learning the system of the game by the end of the game you're you're going way out of your way in the in the city to try to connect the dots of all these different buildings that you have assistants on just you know just taking all these crazy actions so stuff like that just juices me up I love it oh that's that's a nice thing that the yeah. designer put in where you can see all the buildings but as you there's the buildings I was talking about see those four little quadrants there trying yeah yeah every you can put an assistant there and they get bumped around and the further they go on that on that track the more actions you're going to get The game is supposed to take about 90 minutes. My problem with online gaming is that it just seems to make everything longer. You know, uh, a game of Fort, which should take 30 to 50 minutes, seems to take an hour to hour and 10 minutes. This game, which easily with three people should hum in that one hour wonder 60, 65 minute uh, type of range. You know, it takes us an hour and a half to two hours. That's only because trying to move money around or click on buildings and move your thing or see what's going on so don't take that if you play the game it's you know it's not a replacement for playing the physical game but venice is one to watch i think i like i'll be honest i like it better than ragusa uh although i've I've probably played ragusa out now playing it six to ten times i can't remember how many times i've played it but i played venice now four times and i like it better every time dale one of my favorite type of games is the one where the first time you play it you like it and you're interested in exploring it more, and it rewards you. That second and third time gets even better and better. You, you know what I'm talking about? Are there any oh, definitely. Out in your mind where the more you play it, the more you get into it?
3: This month, probably Mary po- uh, Mariposis, the butterfly oh, yeah. game from AEG. Yeah. Yeah. When I, And honestly, when I played that the first time, I was actually wasn't sure if I liked it. Um, and That's the Hargrave game. Correct. Is right? Yeah. And hey, I didn't. Great. Wasn't quite what to expect, but man, you know, as I play that, there's there's more depth than I thought there was to it and kind of the, the finesse of the strategy. Um, and I've really enjoyed exploring that, you know, and, and I'll be honest with you. I mean, I, I'd i like to see that arc, although, to be honest with you, with as many games as I get, I don't know about you, four or five games sometimes is the most a game might get unless it becomes a, like an all-time keeper in the collection. It is. So, You know it's good that it would be more interesting as it goes on but man it better get me by the game four or five or else i might not have it long enough
2: let me throw out something to you there was a controversial in my opinion statement on the internet a couple days ago And, and the controversy was someone said i don't know why reviewers even mention replayability because you know that is a crutch that like using the word crunchy it's a crutch by reviewers uh because they don't have anything more um you know more interesting to say uh you know People are going to play the game the number of times they play it. What do you need to do it? And I'm thinking in my brain, let me look at that guy's collection (laughs) and see if he has any expansion. And if he has one expansion, then that's the reason why replayability is important. But do you agree? Should reviewer, do you agree with this this comment that replayability Um, shouldn't be a part of a review at all?
3: No, I mean, I I think that's certainly important. But I mean, I think I define it maybe differently than a lot of other people. A lot of people define replayability, they want to see random setups and multiple components that can be exchanged in and out so that every game is different and therefore it's replayable. I don't know if, you know I mean I mean Dominion is that way, right? And so it a lot is. of people feel that's the ultimate game in replayability. I mean you also have two or three hundred different cards
2: and you whittled it down to the I forget the three
3: two right. that came in the box or twenty eight that came in yeah. the box? But, I mean, that being said, I mean, I played Age of Steam, the Rust Belt board, probably a hundred times. That's the same game every time. Nothing really changes. I mean, cubes ran them out of the, um, you know, out of. But to me, that's just as replayable because the game is good. Um, And, you know, to me, replayability is about do I want to just keep playing the game? Does it catch my interest? Is there interesting decisions to be made? so variability would be more of the random setups
2: and maybe not that important to you what you're looking for does the game make me want to play it more and more yes because i I think back to some of my games and i've played you know some games 30 or 40 times and some uh, unfortunately in the age of reviewing, sometimes you can only play a game three four five or six times and then you know i've if you don't like a game, you can keep right. playing it all you want. And I know some people complain about that. Oh, you haven't played enough. Man, if I've played a game three times and I'm still not enjoying it, I, I, you're I'm not going back. To the, you're even lucky I got to the third play, right? right? I mean, life's too short. I don't. I, none of us get paid for this stuff. It's not like it's our job. This is what we do for because of the love of the game. I'm not going to sit there and play a game ten times just because you think on the ninth or tenth time I'm finally going to get it. But I do. I do think that we should separate. <laughs> First impressions from playing a game with enough depth, which might be the second or third time, or maybe the 10th time, it depends on the game, to be able to talk about it. Do, do you
3: agree with that? Yeah. Oh, definitely. I see all these comments that people are uh, getting on you for, you know, patting your back for wearing the, the shirt, the Our Family <laughs> shirt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So just hey, for all hey, the OGs out there oh, representing yeah. here too. Hey, Chris and Brandon, he's
2: got his shirt on. Yeah, that's Mick and uh, Scarlet Fitch from Our Family Plays Games, and uh, I got my shirt on. It's all good yeah i look i love family games i i, I don't uh i don't have any problem saying that I, I love playing you know big heavy games and i've got a bunch of my lisboa is one of my top 10 games of all time but i still love playing family games give me new york nineteen one any day and i'll play it you know i just love that yeah. way of the game not ashamed to say it so what does brandon say i think replayability variability is far more important to those gamers who aren't collectors my point is that you know, you can't have UK and too. You can't say I'm not interested in hearing a review that talks about modules. Oh, there's a new expansion for this game. Let me buy that. I mean, that's a little bit hypocritical to me, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, I, Johnny packs of the world. Johnny loves modules because he loves as you know he thinks he plays games like a designer. He loves mm-hmm. a base game, and then I'm going to decide how I'm going to set the game up this time. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I, in some ways, I do enjoy that. Although. In my taste, I'd much rather Dale just hand me a game and say, here, try this game. You know, set it up and see what you think. I I need all the modules myself, but I'd like to explore the modules later. So that is a long detour from (laughs) (laughs) from brain crack games. There's that big shot at the end of the board. You know, I am also going to admit guilty as charged that if something is really colorful and pretty on the table, you know, it just attracts me. And, man, the, you know, Venice is bored. But, oh, it knocks me out. I just love seeing that. BJ from Morgan Gumbo. Can't talk about that one, I don't think. But uh, BJ from Morgan Gumbo. No,
3: I mean, we probably can't. We just can't show the board. You oh, you know what? Well, then, board, then let's do you? that then. Sure. BJ
2: from Morgan I've got my guest here, Dale U from the Opinionated Gamers. And we're talking about spicy odd games that he's played. I haven't. But I've played the first two in the series. Give me your thoughts on the third in a very popular Roll and Ride series.
3: Um, for the most part, if you know the, if you played either the first two, then you know all the rules to this one for the most part. That's easy. Um, yeah, there are you know the same uh, six dice with six colored or five colored dice and one I don't wild die. What's a and then, silver die though? I don't. Yeah, well the, the white die is the the wild die in this okay. game, and then you know each of the five colors goes into a different block that has its own rules for how you place numbers there. And if you get far enough in each of those five areas, you will win a fox or you will get a you know a free reroll or you know to get a free die in the pink area Mm. um so in in many ways it is more of the same but each of the five modules is different and a a little unique um but i don't know i mean it it is certainly more complicated i mean our first game we actually played in person but man it felt like we were playing over video because it took us like 75 minutes um (laughs)
2: I'm sure you're knocking out the regular, you know, ones and two in, what, about 30, 35 minutes for a Gonchan Clever? Yeah,
3: pretty much. Um, you know, and then we have also invented, I don't know if you saw, the Roland Wright decathlon. Um, no, that I takes a good, all right, so that takes a good two or three hours off to send this to you. Um, James Nathan kind of came up with this. I don't, well, he's not a drinker, so he wasn't drunk, but he was like, what if we took all these and rights and put them together? We rolled a whole bunch of dice at once and then just went through and played 12 games simultaneously. Wait, are you the
2: dice and assigning through whichever game you want to?
3: Yeah, no, I mean, no.
2: No, no. And doing it.
3: So it's, you know, the first two, uh, you know, uh, that's clever. The second one, uh, Quicks Quinto. Uh, Oof. Dizzle, uh, One of those games? No. Nope. Yeah, we, we didn't have that one. We did Corinth. We had a whole bunch, you know, but sure. uh, like 10 rolling rights, and I think we ended up having to roll 11 dice. And, you know, so there's one active player, he rolls all 11 dice, and then you just, and you use them all. And we had an order that you went through because some of them, you don't have to actually set them aside. You say, I'm using these dice, so we're going to fill out Corinth with all the yellow dice. And then we're going to move on to Quinto because we only need the purple, the orange, and the yellow to figure that out. And then 21, and we did them all, and then, you know, the last one was... That's clever because that's the one where we, you have to re-roll dice. And so we kind of went through them so that we were never re-rolling dice that we would need in some other game. But essentially you have this giant huge laminated sheet that has you know 10 roll and rights that you're playing all with the same dice roll.
2: I am going to have to ask Patrick about that. sounds like uh, sounds like a lot of fun. Did, now, of course, the the first two games you have the set aside die. Would, were y'all still leaving one die that you would set aside for? Same thing.
3: For, okay, same time. Exact same rules as that. You know, you roll the dice. You choose one to put on your board. Um, you know, and if you if there are any dice that are lower than that, they automatically get put into the community pool. And then you re-roll all the rest of the dice that are left and do it three times. So with the short
2: elevator pitch, not elevator pitch, the short review, the 10-second review for Clever Hawk Dry would be, if you like Gons, it's more Gons. And more complex. If you didn't like Gons, you might not like this, unless you didn't think Gons was complex enough. But I can, Yes, but I can't imagine that. <laughs> can't imagine anybody that would say that. Yeah. So we loved both of the first two. I don't know. I've never sat down and thought which one I liked better. I liked the second one because it was fresh and it was different and we enjoyed playing it. So I sort of say I like the second one better, but it was only because it was newer. Um,
3: you asked I could me. play any of them. And, yeah. you know, we are working on getting all three of these boards laminated on the same sheet. So obviously we can choose to play these three together as a triathlon. Oh,
2: that would be fun. Yep, the clever triathlon, or cleaver, as some people like to say. <laughs> the clever triathlon. All right, and that is uh, Cleaver Hog Dry coming out from Schmitz, Schmitz Spiel. Uh, supposed to be an SN release, I think. Most likely. BJ from Board Game Gumbo. I've got my guests here. Dale, U from the Opinionated Gamers. One more game to talk about, and then we're going to bring in Jay and Steve for the game. And uh, we can do this one quick. Uh, party games have been kind of tough to play in the age of coronavirus. It is true, Dale. But I finally got a chance on a couple of different occasions to play string magig, and also got it to one of the other gumbo crew, who also played it. Uh, a party game in the age of coronavirus. Tough to get people together to it, so I played it with the family, and then I also played it with my scout dads this uh, this weekend. And I had two wildly different experiences. All right, quick pitch on the game Trades with with string. So um, you're flipping a card. And the card says something like um, something like Texas. And normally, instead of having to act it out or Pictionary, draw it out, uh, you take charades and Pictionary, and you smash them together using string. You get this big old string. It's all in one loop. I'm trying to get to the string if I can. Yeah, big old string all in one loop. And then you've got to manipulate the string on the table. Mm-hmm. And with the, with the table, you can interact with the string. And I think this is where I messed up with the family. When I played it with the family, I didn't realize I missed a tiny little rule. You know, sometimes as reviewers, we miss miss an important rule. And I missed a rule that said that you could interact with the string even off the table as long as any part of the string was still on it. So that would have made it a lot easier for my family to interact with. For instance, with the guitar, you could pick up the fret and then pretend like you're strumming it. No words or anything. Uh, and and the rules say as long as you make a drawing with the string you can interact any way you want so it really becomes charades with the hint of the string cool. now, you couldn't just ball up the string throw it on the floor and stomp on it and say that was a cockroach you actually have to try to make some kind of drawing and you can see um, my daughter did this one with a little fork you know uh, to make a to make a nice thing the second time when I the second, set of games when I played it with the, with the scout beds and had the, that one additional little rule. And we also played, there's some, those little cards that have the, the light colors on it. Mm-hmm. those cards challenge words, you can do a partnership or you can do, you can, you, you can, um, they, they can guess the word, but they're not supposed to guess like the forbidden word. So there's ways to get bonus points. That kind of, that kind of makes the game a little bit more interesting. But on, on this second game with the ability to interact with it, I found that we were going through the cards a lot easier we were also playing with a little bit older gamers, and they recognized right away, like in any kind of word game, any kind of charades game, if you get a bad card, don't sit there and waste 12 seconds of a 60-second timer right. trying to go to the game. Dope it. Go to the next card. So we got progressively better and better, not only at using the string, but also flipping it. By the end of the night, I'm going to tell you that uh, my my I went in with kind of low to medium expectations after the first you know first plays and i had a much better time the second night i think like i said older gamers uh used to play in those kind of games one of the guys hates charades he absolutely hates charades he's like this is a game i play because i'm not having to sit there and just think about acting i'm interacting with something that i've made and he's an engineer so the first thing he thinks about is building stuff and and, and interacting was a lot better are you a you know are, are you a fan of those? Are you still a fan of those drawing charades, making up
3: story type games? Not as much. Um, mostly because my group, we they're just not into it. So you know it, it's hard. To, you know if, if everyone's not in the right mindset for those, they're kind of you know they're not a lot of fun.
2: All right, so I'm <laughs> so I'm going to blame my group. If you read the transcript, it'll say string is what charades has been missing for so long. But I know Steve well enough to know that the dry record is it's a little snarkier than that. (laughs) Yeah. You know, maybe for some people, Steve, string is what's missing, because as he said, I don't want to just act out without something to act around. So. Yeah, and of course Jay loves his puns. So String of Magic is going to be right there. This is String of Jig from Fireside Games. By the way, one of my favorite publishers. So I was a little disappointed that I don't love this game. I do like it, but I don't love it because I do like a lot of their uh, of Fireside's other games. So, you know, you know how that is. You you always want every game you get from a coming to be a home run. This one isn't a home run. But if you have a group that likes party games and likes charades and all the, you know, you might find uh, String of Magic is something to check out. And that is stringamajig. All right, Dale. This is a board game show, man. You know what we have to do on a board game show? Play a game. We got to play a game. So I'm going to bring in Steve, the name father, and I also got making his first appearance on the gumbo, Jay Bell. What's up, Jay Bell? There he is. Hey, everybody. How's it going?
0: Hello, Dale. How are you?
2: Good. Good. Right, so, yeah, sure. Uh, any thoughts on those party games? I know, Jay, you love that that stringamajig pun. You got
1: to love that i i am uh kind of into party games but messing around with string that's that's my jam oh, really um, trying to be clever with you know weird objects so if you tell me all i can use is string to make pictures and stuff yeah yeah.
2: yes you see the little snarky comment hey. and a, right there right you' right on that <laughs> no uh, again i'm not an engineer i'm not a mechanical person i look at a car engine i have no idea what i'm looking at but, you know, Jay, you and I think differently. We've talked about that off the air. You think differently. So I could see you getting excited. I've got a copy for stream with Jay waiting for you to play. How's that? All right. Yeah. All right. So, hey, Steve, now that we've got Dale here, Dale loves his, uh, his games. He's ready for the game. Tell the chat crew what game we're doing tonight and how, how, how BJ is going to somehow pull out a win in this game.
0: <laughs> yeah, I've seen what BJ has written down, so I don't know how I can answer the last bit. Uh, oh, and Dale has not seen this. Let's make sure he that's knows. True. That's true. Uh, we're doing the Boudin Bowl tonight. So this one yes. is one where we've got three players, and we're competing to get the attention of the judge, and Dale's going to be the judge on this one. We've got four All categories. Right. Uh, BJ, Jay, and I have drafted games to play in each of these little slots. For each one of these quarters, we'll try to sell to you why our game fits that category best and, and Dale's gonna judge it and give a, a touchdown, seven points, three points to second place for a field goal and zero for person who DJ, um, who has um, a strange choice of yeah. some sort. Too. That, uh, that doesn't make sense. Jay and I and BJ will all trash talk each other, but you can pay attention to what people are saying <laughs> in the, the chat as well because they'll be lobbying for their choices too. Yeah,
2: Dale, the chat is involved in this because they're going to try to convince you one way or the other. Hopefully, the chat crew loves my choices as they do every week, Steve.
0: Yes. And again, like I told you in the green room, the only last rule is that if it's a tie at the end, BJ loses.
2: Fair enough. Well, I haven't seen Steve's charts. Oh, some tough choices here. All right, Steve, get us started. All right.
0: So let me pull up the, the sheet here. The first category, we, um, given your your background here, we decided to try and find some things that were going to work for you. We wanted to pick a writer game, and I've got writer in quotation marks there. Everybody was free to define it as however they however they chose that category. So let's do um, the order we got them in. Let's do BJ, me, and J, and then we'll do me, J, BJ. We'll just rotate around that way. So BJ, kick
2: it off yep sure so i love word games we, we didn't get to talk about one of the games that uh, that you had master word which maybe we can talk about uh, another time but uh, i love word games Rune, runes is one of my favorite games of all time had to get rid of it in my collection because i couldn't get anyone else to play it with me even though i love that game no one else liked it so i got rid of it but one of the games that bradley has is a game called paperback it's from tim powers games and it's a Dominion Plus Words. See Steve. See how I'm thinking there. It's it's been accurately described as Dominion Plus Words. So I went with Paperback for no. Wait a minute, Dale's on the show. I didn't even notice that. Oh, what a connection! So that's Paperback, an a, an absolutely fun uh, game with a cool theme where you're actually trying to you know come up with these paperback titles with all the different letters. So forget Boggle. Put Boggle away in your collection. Play Paperback instead.
0: Yep. I like this one. This one wasn't the category that I had questions for you, BJ. I thought you actually, you did a good job on this. one. Um, I went in a different direction. Rather than writing words yourself, I went with a game that was going to have uh, appeal because it, it called back to a particular writer. And for me, I went with Sherlock Holmes, Consulting Detective. You're reading through that, and you're also writing and taking notes. You're, you're trying to put together the plot line of that and solve the mystery and think like Holmes, which you can't because he's going to beat you, but it's still a good... Um, Cooperative game around the table to try and solve this and uh, it really called to me with the writer theme.
2: Mm. So you went with theme.
0: Okay. I, I went with it. theme rather than mechanic in that sense, yeah.
2: Jay, what you got?
1: Uh, so I don't I know this game, so you're gonna have to sell it to me, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the one I decided on was actually just finished on Kickstarter by Evan and Josh Katz. It's Plans of Anarchy. And Puns this one I really like. Yeah, this Of course one really you would like this. It's a party game that uses the same kind of judging system that you're used to, except it puts a twist on it because every person is a judge in that round. So each round, you're dishing out as many witty puns as you can write onto these cards. You're changing Foo Fighters into like Tofu Fighters or Flu Fighters. Mm-hmm. And you're just dishing them the different Ooh. categories that each person will have. And, uh, know, a on the and, and that, that's too strong of a choice, man. That's yeah. really good. Word, word play is
0: is always going to be interesting to me that's that's an interesting one
2: puns oh, of sure. annotate, strong choice james says something called center and trade not yeah trade that's though. a
3: game from indonesia that he loves and it's uh it, it's a it's a super interesting but not a game for me um, <laughs> you know james that
2: sounds like a no on that one <laughs> all right <laughs> steve what's next
0: well, we got it at this point now. It's time for Dale to start thinking through um, who he's going to give the touchdown to, who gets the field goal, and who gets. All right. Konoyo. Uh,
3: Konoyo. Well, you know, So for BJ's game, I mean, man, I tell you what, negative points for getting rid of runes because that's like one of my favorite writing games ever. Yes. Now, did you know that that's been re-released? I did not know that.
2: So it came I out. Had the, I had the original Eon edition.
3: Yeah. So it came out. Uh, it's actually going to be a series of two or three games. The first one's called Wordsmith. Which is almost a full I re-release of Runes. That's from okay. uh, Heidelbar, but they have two other games that use that word piece system. Um, so they're trying to expand it out in other games. You, you have
2: Steve. You got pieces of the letters, and and the designers. I think the same as Cosmic Encounter, if I remember right. And mm. and it's the, the four basic parts of the English language letters. I didn't realize mm. you could distill them all into basic and in four parts. And they made a game about putting those parts together into words. It's so, so much fun! It's Such it's a good, good game. Role.
3: But, you know, I yeah, think in the end, like a touchdown, man. Mm, the whole idea of wordplay, though, pretty much always wins out, man. You know, I'm a cryptic crossword guy and puns and especially if you got to do it seat of your pants. I mean, how can that not be fun? Oh, yeah. So I'm going to give touchdown to Jay. And now mm-hmm. I'm trying to decide here who gets a field goal because. Okay. Well, I mean, paperbacks a good game. Yeah, it's a good. Paperback. You know, got a little bit of tech building, I mean. Sherlock Holmes is more of a reader game to me, not a writer game. And there's a lot of text to read. Um, though I was super fascinated by the recent um, designer diary on Board Game Geek about the new Sherlock Holmes cases that are going to come out. That sounds really cool.
2: Um,
3: you know, the problem is, is that we're going to spend two and a half hours and we're not going to solve it. And then Holmes solved it in four moves. And you're like, what? That's right. It's always disappointing. So I'm going to give the field goal to PJ. Sorry, Steve.
0: Okay.
2: All right.
3: I'll take it. Paperback
2: with the field goal. i got to uh, admit, yeah. I would have voted for Puns of Anarchy. The way Jay's <laughs> pulled it up.
3: Jay's doing he's well. I hope, I hope he's enjoying his first one. one. This only this may maybe like the one. first and only time he gets <laughs> invited at this rate.
2: It might <laughs> be. It <laughs> might be. Patrick, Patrick, I know, would love a name like Puns of Anarchy. All right. What's next, Steve? All right. So I'll put in the marks for that
0: one. It's easy enough to remember that I got nothing. So now we got All into right. a traveler game. And again, everybody's free to define this the way they chose. But I chose one that was going to be uh, based on the theme of traveling. And I went with parks. Um, Parks being one where as as you are a traveler, you are out there. You are trying to visit all of the different places. You are trying to have the experiences. You are trying to um, see the sights. And integral to the game is that idea of traveling around the parks in that. So that one felt like a a no-brainer to me with also the idea that when you see these parks on the cards, you so want to go. Um, it doesn't just do do well with the mechanics. It inspires you to want to travel someday.
1: <laughs> I like it. Jay? Uh, so my traveler game travels all the way to outer space. It's a space-themed game, but the mechanics are heavy into travel and movement. I'm talking about quantum. Uh, in quantum, you're using dice to move around to different planets and drop off your quantum cube so that you can extract energy from the planet. But each dice has its own movement and special ability. The five dice can move diagonal. The two dice can actually pick up other dice and move mm-hmm. them. So you're traveling all over this board trying to collect your points, and that's why I chose quantum.
2: I have not played quantum. I don't Quantum's a really good game.
1: Yes. Mm, sounds pretty good.
2: So for mine, I went. I went with Traveler. And I can't think of a you know a game that doesn't represent that than a whole company, Travel Buddy Games, from Josh from uh, Gray Fox Games. He started a separate company called Travel Buddy Games, and his philosophy, if you know, if you know Josh, Josh is a world traveler. He loves to travel, loves exotic places, loves all of that, uh, and he collects memories about those. So he said, when when he was out there, they used to play Happy Sam or any kind of game that you can fit in your pocket and introduce people at a hostel. And he wanted a whole company that would produce games like that. The first one. It's a Great Barrier Reef card game. I got a chance to play it. I played it uh, with Josh and with a couple other people, and it's one of my favorite categories. I love the Oink boxes. I love anything that's got portability, tiny little games. But my favorite of those are games like Jiraku. That they may be in a small, tiny little package, but they they fill up a big game experience. A game like Jiraku will give you an area control game like like Eldorado in a tiny box experience and in a short time. And the Great Barrier Reef card game is like that. It's got this cool spatial puzzle where you're trying to put all these beautiful cards on top of a reef and score points with all the different um, uh, fish that are going through. So It's got great card artwork. Um, The designers put together a nice little package, and it all fits in a tiny little box that you can fit into your pocket. So it's traveler, and it's also got the traveler theme. So that is Mm -hmm. Great Barrier Reef card game. Trying to make it tough on Mm -hmm. the some people call Great Barrier Card Reef Game the Dominion of Ocean Game.
3: Wow. <laughs> now that's kind of pandering, but, you know, hey, you got to do what you got to do, I
2: guess. I guess. It's <laughs> Actually, I haven't heard anybody say that. I just said that for the first time. <laughs>
3: Go ahead. Well, let's see. With these, I don't know, Jay. I mean, Quantum's a great game, but I don't know. Outer Space and Travel, I mean... It's, it's, a, it's a long way to travel. Yeah, I to mean, you know. know, it's kind of an Elon Musk-y sort of stretch there for travel, isn't it? Elon Muskie. He's <laughs> rich. Is that a word? I mean, Let's I don't know if it's a word. Really you no. Know. <laughs> uh, I would probably definitely have to go with Parks. I mean, I think that that the theme is there, and man, those bits are great. Um, you know, I, I was super impressed with that. I mean, initially, I had first played um, a similar game. The what is it? Traveling to the. Probably the national parks. Yeah, yeah. Which, man, I love the art on that and the idea. The game wasn't quite as polished. I mean, I think they ended up polishing it more in their in the second one, the traveling the world. Right. Mm-hmm. But parks, I mean, you know that art is just fantastic and beautiful. The bits are cool, and I mean, yeah, you definitely get the sense that you're seeing the parks and 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 doing that. Uh, Mick is with you. He says Parks. So. Um, so I would probably say that would be the touchdown. Um, and then the Traveler game's next. <laughs> you really must that one up there.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so, so you said uh, Parks is first. And then. And then your game from Traveler. Uh, the, um, Great Barrier Reef you know, outer space. Outer space. So, hey, Steve, remind me the name, Father. Whenever Mick and start on the show, we're not playing the boudin bowl. Because we never sync up. He always hates my choices. <laughs> he comes here every week, and he's like, I'm always stretching
0: So Well, All right. you, you have to save that shirt to pander to him. So, uh, Steve, it's well. halftime. <laughs> it's halftime. Half half
2: so give us the scores, and Dale's going to do a little uh, song, I guess, and a dance if you don't All mind. Right. That's so, wow. It, so it don't is a to
0: close play. game. Um, Jay and I both have seven, and BJ's got six. Ooh, so maybe if, if Jay better. was looking to you know to make a bet with you, if he skunked you in the whole in the whole tournament, this is going to have to become the Beignet Bowl. It's going to ah. be closer than that. Well, well, but if, Jay,
3: if Jay's up in Canada, though, he might still score a rouge here somewhere along the way and tie it up. You know. <laughs> there you go. All right, there you
2: go. Halftime, close Pittsburgh game. by way of Canada. So, what we got for the next category? Third game. We come back
0: from halftime, and now we're looking for a quote funny game. And again, define this as you please. And I think in terms of um, rotating around, we're up to then J, BJ, then me.
2: And funny because you enjoyed uh, you enjoyed Dale's um, his bio on BGG, right? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. And, the, yeah.
0: and the comments in the uh, in the notes. I appreciated the call back to uh, Holy Grail and uh, <laughs> and come and see the violence inherent in the system.
2: All, all of these are all tied to you, Dale. So, <laughs> All
1: right. So, Jay, give us your choice. So, my funny game is actually one that I played for – I want to say the first or second time this weekend, but here's the here's the kicker. I played it for five hours. That's how much fun we were having with this game. Why not? It was no, it's blockbuster. (laughs) It was blockbuster. Like this game does a perfect job of bringing you back to the nostalgia. It actually brings you back to the blockbuster parking lot, and you or your friends are in the parking lot discussing all the great movies, and you're acting them out you're giving quotes for them, you're giving them one words, and you're trying to get your friends to guess what it is. And what's funny about it is two parts. One, you see the tension build on their face as the timer's running down, and they got the, the words on the tip of their tongues, and you're just looking at them like, you're not going to get it, so we're just laughing at you. And then <laughs> you get to see them do these Oscar-worthy performances or terribly unidentifiable performances of movies you've probably seen a billion times. But again five hours we didn't get tired of it we wanted to keep going blockbuster
2: really strong at gen con they're the big uh, big potato if i remember right yeah, yeah they, big potato. they had that booth you <clears> know, <throat> know that was just alex goldsmith and i walking around going oh my god i mean because i lived at blockbuster i mean it just felt like i did it's right next to my house uh walking around that booth just brought back a lot of memories so am i up next yep. this to you okay. bj so this is a game i've been wanting to play a big fan of uh, wolfgang varsh uh, I've seen like everything he's done except that one that's not um, is uh, the mine I think it's, yeah, a little it's not tiny, a
3: game
2: tiny little game. it's not even not like a game it's
3: not a
2: game yeah it didn't hit it just hit for me everything else though love love King Varsh uh, and the game that he had was called Wavelength what I liked about Wavelength I've been wanting to play it but it was really hard to get if you didn't get it at the convention since then it just seems to have been out of print for a while really tough to get but we found a copy on TTS and uh, I'm going to have to buy it. This is one of those, hey, publishers, put your games on TTS. Because I played it for, for three hours, two hours the other night and convinced myself, okay, I got to order the so game. Was it.
1: was a five hours, but <laughs> Jay? I was a long time. Well, it
2: was Twilight Imperium, yeah. But it was long, Jay. We played it for a long time. <laughs> Wavelength, Dale, I think you've played Wavelength before, right? You so played you, it with you know, Alex, the
3: designer at one of our local cons.
2: There it is. The The premise, very simple. It's that water cooler argument of what is the, the most. Um, the most overrated athlete or the most underrated athlete. And and the, the the guessers have to figure out what the clue giver is thinking in that person's mind because when they spin the dial, it comes up with a random uh, bracket that is sort of like a radio dial with a wavelength, and it's going to land one way or the other. And the clue giver has to try to give them a clue that's going to give it right to them to where they're going to put the little scanner on there, a little slider. And and they want to match it up. The other team is still in because they can pick either the left or the right of that. So the gamesmanship comes with how far you're going to go on it. We laughed our butts during wavelength. I mean, it was just so much fun playing with my nephews. That's wavelength. That was a way too long explanation. Sorry about that. I just got excited uh, thinking about how much fun we had in the game.
0: Okay. Back to me. Um, This one, I'm wondering about funny on this one because it might just be my sense of humor, which is kind of skewed and dark. Um, and I'm not sure what yours is, Dale. We'll see how this goes. <laughs> but if your sense of humor goes toward the Adams family or Edward Gorey in something kind of, kind of nasty, um, then I would say gloom, where you have characters like this character. And she's described as Helena enjoys gardening, long walks in the moonlight, and reanimating the dead. <laughs> or Butterfield the butler. Whatever it is, he did it. Um, and what you're playing with this is you've got five different families or you're playing with however many people around the table. They have their family members out in front of them. Your job is to kill off all of their family members through using cards like devoured by weasels or wounded by wasps or pierced by porcupines or sickened by salmon. And if you get the right group of people who can tell this as a story as to what you've done to these other characters and how you poison them or push them down the stairs or dump them into the, to the lake, um, it can be really, really darkly amusing.
2: Jay, did we have a rule about uh, using props during the boudin bowl? I didn't know that. I don't remember they that rule. <laughs>
0: the rule. The rule is you should have thought of it.
2: And I'm, um, ah. <laughs> I'm calling shenanigans and bowl break, rule
3: breaker. Dale, ignoring yeah, the props. Completely
0: the inbounds. We have a catch. We have yeah. a catch.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately for you, though, I think my sense of humor is more on, like, the Benny Hill side oh, than that. Okay. So, you know, hmm. Um, mm, I let's smell like
2: cono. You're on that one, Steve. It's Feeling like it. Interception.
3: Blockbuster's pretty cool. I mean, I props the uh, you know the thing I saw the case kind of looks like an old VHS cover. Yeah, yeah
1: lips open. Cool. Yeah.
3: And uh, you know, I remember having a lot of laughs the very first year the Big Potato guys were in Essen because they were giving you know like a three euro discount. If you brought him a goddamn potato and they had like this pile of potatoes in the back of their booth. And I was like, what are you guys going to do with these potatoes? They're like, I don't know. Um, Ooh, he's, but no, yeah. I mean, blockbuster, I mean, you know, it looks super reminiscent, you know, of, you know, also like times up, you know, with the whole charades bit and, you know, you need a lot of pop culture. Um, so that's definitely in the running, but you know, wavelength is just, I mean, it's an awesome game, um, especially if you are playing with people, you know, because that's when it is funny, because you know the, a lot of people think oh it's super easy because the category might be you know you like using his example you know overrated athlete or underrated athlete and you can you know say oh well surely you know I'm going to say Michael Jordan or I'm going to say this, but you can't because you have to in the end figure out well it you know it's pointed like sixty percent so I got to come up with someone like who's right it who's in the middle sure and then you know and it's just so funny <laughs> because you are invariably surprised at either you learn something about your friends you didn't know or you know if you're given the clue just it's so funny how stupid your friends are because they can't like see things the way that you see them that and then it's just it's non-stop laughs
2: oh my nephew and i didn't sync up at all just dumb answers man sorry
3: so i'm gonna have to go bj then j and then steve Good luck, um, BJ. There. I like
2: Mix's choice though. Uh, Forgotten Waters, that's the Plaid Hat games. Is that the one I'm thinking of? Yeah. Really good writing in that game. Really funny. So good, good yeah. choice there,
3: Mick. I like that. And then BJ, you may want to look, I don't know if they're still doing that, but the Wavelength Twitter account was playing an online game of wavelength every day. No, I, I do the and one Alex was putting up
2: Yeah, I do the medium one every day. Mediums, I didn't yeah. I didn't realize there was okay. one for a wavelength. I thought it was on was Twitter doing. also. But anyways, you know,
3: out. it's just yeah. something to screw around with every day. I love
2: it. Yeah, I do the medium one just about every day. Although sometimes I, I you know, my clues, my clues are not exactly. You know. Speaking so, yeah. of which,
0: sometimes yeah. BJ's way of playing the game is not the game. Um, the fourth quarter.
2: Fourth <laughs> quarter. We well, wavelength. What people have, people have told me that wavelength is like the dominion of party games. Now, for the there fourth quarter, I went with a different choice. <laughs> Yeah. B.J. is the
1: dominion of pandering. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> the Donald Lenz Vaccarino of pandering. We,
0: we, we joke about this in this Gateway and Pillar Game room chat. Um, there's always two games being played. There's the one on the table and the one B.J.'s play. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> so the, the fourth
2: quarter, obviously. Fourth quarter.
0: Right, at four- this point, I'm, I'm going to have to play spoilers, so it's a question of who do I, think, who do I want to try and win here because I, I don't mm. think I can get it. But the fourth so, quarter, the, the category is a doctor game. And um, this, again, you're able to choose it the way you want to define doctor. And we're back to the start of the loop. So to be BJ, me, J, I think. Yeah. Is the,
1: That's what I, I think so.
2: Dale, I have a question for you. <laughs> what once a day keeps the doctor away?
3: What is it? You're it. Your insurance company. Well, yeah. yeah. Chasers? Yes. I mean, what are you getting at here?
2: <laughs> An apple a day keeps the doctor away. So the obvious choice to me was Imperial Settlers. Ignacy <laughs> Chevyček included the world famous, those are apples. Uh, or you know, some people say Roman tomatoes, but they're apples, and those apples are integral to the game. I personally can't think of a more important uh, mechanic in the game than the apples that are included in Imperial Settlers. You can't win. Especially if you're a barbarian, unless you have apples. So Imperial Settlers, obvious choice as the doctor game.
0: All right. I can't even get it. I my assumed game. I was losing at this point. I can't even go my game at this point, because the only thing if that why wasn't it apples two apples? Because you got double the, apple,
2: <laughs> True, double but, the apples. True. That has nothing to do with doctors though and Imperial sellers. yeah. <laughs> of course. Oh I see the connection
0: now. Thank you. Um No, Mick, choice.
2: that is too obvious. Dice Hospital, way too Dice obvious. Hospital's a good call. My you got a veer.
0: You got a zig. This was an old school one for me, one that first got me into the modern modern uh, game hobby and that would have been pandemic and you've got the medic and and it is too soon but (laughs) hey here we are um So you're you're arguing for imperialism, BJ? Is that what you're
3: saying? Yes. yes, Oh, too soon.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Still too too soon. Still too soon, yeah. (laughs) For me, pandemic would be the one that really works because you've got the four diseases that you're trying to control around the board, and the medic is that super person who's going from place to place, but the heroes are the researchers and the quarantine specialists in the background. This is not just a doctor. This is medicine on a board, Um, epidemiology on a board. So that one's mine
1: choice, wow. Jay. Uh, how do I follow that? Mm. <laughs> no, you could I, just I give exactly. up, Jay. And, uh, oh, I'm unbiased, oh, no. and I think that's oh, a great no. strategy for you. you. You got the field goal, Jay. You, you, Jay, you, you mentioned Wolfgang, right? You mentioned I did. Wolfgang. Well, I'm choosing uh, Quacks. There it is. Quack Quacks. Because not only do you get to be a doctor in this game, you get to be a bad doctor, a charlatan. You get to do what you can't do normally as a doctor is Throw he's weird a, stuff he's into, a real doctor, though, Jay. He's a real I, doctor. And <laughs> I'm sure I he's why I <laughs> But yeah, in this game, not only is the game beautiful with the die-cut player boards, the books, everything about the game is immersive. You know, you're pushing your luck, so you feel like you're a doctor sometime where it's like you have to make the right decision, you know? Everything is hinging on this one bag pull. You might get it right, you might get it wrong, but it's super important. And then you also get to be a doctor because you just study rats and rats help you get, you know, just as good as the other doctors. You can just close the gap by studying rats. As you're there's Dale doing his rounds, checking his paper, and
2: nurse, give me that bag. Rats, we saved you. So, yeah, that's mine. Mick does not like my choices here. He says it's not even in in the stadium, it's in the parking lot. All right but he does approve of quacks and so does james nathan they've got great taste so well,
3: james nathan is saying quack zombie, which is a, a very unbelievably obscure german game where you're doctors and you win by killing off the most patients
2: oh that's a different game then. okay mm. yeah no. um, that does not sound like a good doctor game so no pressure but it's all on the line
3: wow I don't know, the apples, you know, may actually keep me away. Like, I can't even figure out how to tie that in, even if it is, you know, yes. um, you know, I'm, I'm working on it. <laughs> no, nope. uh, not thinking probably, you know, going with the pandemic, not just because I mean of the obvious theme mix, but man, it is just a game that I mean, I'll admit I'm biased, but thankfully. Didn't get quite the respect that maybe it does, you know. That it, it came up in a bad year because it very well could have been, should have been. Steel Dejar. I mean, when was mm-hmm. the last time that there were essentially two genre-forming games in the same year? I can't think of another one, right? I mean, in any other year, plus minus three years from two thousand and nine, Pandemic would have won for sure. Either one of those, rightfully games, so. Yeah, either one yeah. of those games should have won. They just in the same year yeah and you know i had a great experience playing that game for the very first time um and way i mean i've never been a great fan of co-ops but getting to play that with leacock in berlin was just it was cool oh, wow. Um and it's a game that's well deserving of you know everything that all the accolades that it's had and certainly timely this year more so than any other right i mean you know sort of talk to some of them as uh the uh you know the sales this year of that game have been through the roof. <laughs> okay. I mean, admittedly, so is Dominion. I mean, you know the because people have you know we didn't, people didn't take vacations, you know, and it's, it seems like buying games and doing home renovations is the 2020 activity of the year because you can't do anything else.
2: Um, do you agree with Chris Ray that Fauna was up there in that little triumvirate?
3: I mean, I I mean in the top three for top. sure. Yeah. Okay. I, I mean, there were only three games there, but that like... yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's you know. Yeah. Yeah. True. No fauna is card. actually pretty sweet too, but you know it's not a traveling game and not about doctors, so you know it's
2: true. Yeah, Chris, that, that's that's automatic flag. Not, not <laughs> unlike Imperial Settlers, fauna has nothing to do with doctors. So
3: right. So I guess I'm going with Steve, and then Jay. There's nothing wrong with a little quackery because you know sometimes it doesn't matter what you do to treat them as long as they get better. It's all good. <laughs>
2: go. The placebo effect, right? Right. <laughs> there you go all right so you're going with steve uh pandemic are you all in on pandemic do you keep going do you keep playing everything that comes out
3: uh no i don't i play the base and i play the dice game mm-hmm. um and i am looking forward though we have made a request and hopefully z-man will grant it to play pandemic legacy mm. season zero early okay. um i actually we were so desperate to play it i actually sent an email out to rob davio trying to say hey can you hook me up he's like no and i've already busted up all my prototypes because mm-hmm. otherwise i might have sent you something but so but even if they don't send one someone in my group i'm sure is going to get one and we'll try to play that
2: i am i'm in the pandemic season uh, pandemic legacy and then the base pandemic with that the next expansion that came out that had the trader mechanic but other than that i haven't really yeah. gotten into anything but pandemic iberia is the one that to me looks just really different look really cool so mm-hmm. i would like to try that one at some point so. cool yeah. All right, so Steve, wrap it up. How did it uh, end up?
0: Closest boot bowl ever, I think. Probably so. 14-13-13. Wow. Ooh. But it it out with the late touchdown because BJ was doing his uh, his Leon-led impression, showboating before the end. <laughs> <day>. <laughs> and uh, pulled out Imperial Settlers. So I think he, he kind of <laughs> gave that one to us. 14-13-13, close match.
2: I thought Imperial Settlers were winners, so I I, I take you no know of that. Luke says he likes The Rock, man. Pandemic Reign of Cthulhu, which I haven't played. We, yet. we
0: played that at Luke's house, and that his, his daughter calls it the monster game, and she's right. It's cool.
2: Monster game. Yeah. Yeah. And that is the Boudin Bowl presented by Game Toppers LLC. Hey, Dale, make your game nights a showstopper when you play on a Game Topper. So, nice. our friend Berkey uh, supports the Southern Board Game Fest as a, a fundraiser for New Hope Foundation, providing mentoring services for some of the disadvantaged youth on our side of our town. Uh, unfortunately we had to push it off to next year we're doing an online part uh in october october 10th so look out for that yeah in fact jay will be running a uh, potion explosion tournament if you yeah. want to potion oh, yeah. nice not the same as our regular con but still we're going to make it happen all right so let me send jay and uh, steve the victorious who, who's the big winner yeah. jay? jay Steve. Steve, by one, it was close. The Victoria Steve and the Victoria's Jay. Good All talking
0: right. to you, uh, Dale, and welcome yeah. to the welcome to the show, uh, Dale. Great, thank
2: you. All right, Dale, that was the Boudin Bowl. Your first time playing the Boudin Bowl? Not too bad. Enjoyed yeah, that. It was fun. Tough, tough choices. At least we tried to make it tough on you. <laughs> <laughs> if we could, yes. And uh, usually I, I have a bad fourth quarter, so that that does happen. All right, board givers, that's it for another episode of Gumbo Live. Hey, Dale, how can people reach you if they want to get in touch with you to talk to you more about some of the games you mentioned tonight or some of the events that you have coming up?
3: Um, The easiest way would be at our website, www.opinionatedgamers.com. But we also have active accounts on Instagram and Twitter and even Facebook. You can hit us up on any of those.
2: And gamer without an e, if I remember right, because they ran out of uh, yeah, we didn't have
3: enough opinionated GMRS, I believe.
2: But if you Google opinionated gamers Twitter or Google opinionated gamers blog and sign up for their email, because you'll get up every morning. I wake up and I can see you know what review is coming out. So I really enjoy the consistency that y'all have. I wish I were that consistent. I, I can't get a review out every day, uh, <laughs> but uh, you guys do, and and that is awesome. Make sure to like our Facebook page, Facebook.com/boardgamegumbo and our YouTube channel because it helps us to get the word out about all of our upcoming guests and shows. Thanks, uh, Brandon. Great show. Enjoyed uh, doing that. Yep. Next week, we've got Justin D. Jacobson of Restoration Games. We're going to be talking about designs, and we're also going to be talking about Cobble & Fog, the new expansion for Unmatched, one of my favorite games of the year. And hopefully I'll see Chris Ray later on this season because I always love visiting with Chris. I am BJ from Board Game Gumbo, and until next time, Dale, laissez
1: le bon temps rouler.
3: Thanks. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening.
1: Gumbo Live is produced by DJ Rosa and the name Father Steve O'Rourke, with editing by
0: Sean Jones. You can find more Board Game Gumbo content by checking out our YouTube channel, Facebook page, and Twitter feed at Board Game Gumbo, or visit the Board Game Gumbo blog at BoardGameGumbo.com.
1: Do you like an imperial stout with your favorite heavy hero? How about a New England IPA with the latest thematic treasure? I'm Jake. And I'm Danielle. And Draft Mechanic is the podcast about board games, craft beer, and anything we can do to tie the two together. We've got reviews of hobby board games, the 411 on craft beer styles, news, and history. And every episode, we put a different game on tap so you know exactly what brews to reach for when you pull it off the shelf. So sit back, relax, grab a pint, and we'll see you back here every other Monday and at draftmechanic.net for another round.